As we've been reading this scripture and singing these songs all throughout, you have this idea of joy and excitement connected to the birth of Jesus Christ. And you've got to realize that the Israelites at this time, uh, they were going through a very dark season. Uh, the last prophet that we have is named Malachi. And after Malachi, the Lord did not speak directly to the people of Israel until John the Baptist, and that was 400 years in between. They had never gone that long without a word from God. Never. And so for 400 years, they had not heard from the Lord. They were under the oppression of the Greeks. They were under the oppression of the Romans. They were at a time in which things were very, very dark. And it's in that context that when the angel showed up and they said, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It most definitely was a moment of joy for the people of Israel. Now, we continue in our book of John, and we're in John chapter 16, and that lines up specifically with what we're talking about today. Uh, They were waiting in the midst of pain and sorrow and darkness for the Messiah, and there he was. And in many ways, we are the same way. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He is wanting to give them a word of encouragement. He'd been doing that for a while now. And he's about to say something in order to encourage them, but they don't necessarily take it as such. So we're in John 16, verse 16. Here's what it says. A little while, and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. They said, what is this he is saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus wants to give them a word of encouragement and he tells them that there is a timeline of God. There's a timeline of God. Uh, Isn't it nice to know that Jesus is on the throne? Isn't it nice to know that he is still in control and that everything that's happening is in accordance with his timeline? He wanted to tell them, hey guys, uh, you are on my timeline. Be encouraged by that. Now, they were confused. It became an issue of confusions for them. They said, "What, what is this guy talking about? Now, I would say, give them the benefit of the doubt, he had been talking to them for hours at this point, and uh, their mind might have been a little mushy get to this point when Jesus said this. But even today, there's a little bit of uh, disagreement on what he was talking about. And notice he said, a little while you'll see me, and a little while you won't, and a little while you will again. What, what is he talking about? Well, some would argue that that next day, which this is what happened, the next day after he said this, he was crucified and he died. They're arguing that that's the little while and you won't see me. But then it says a little while you will see me. On Sunday, three days later, God raised him from the dead. He was resurrected back to life, bringing victory over death, victory over sin. And I am sure that that might have been what he's talking about, coming back. Others would say, no, the disciples understood this as I'm going to the Father. That refers not to his death, but that refers to his ascension into heaven. Uh, The story is written in Scripture. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a tomb for three days. He was raised back to life. He hung out with the disciples for a couple of weeks. And then he ascended into heaven. And he's at the right hand of God currently. And one day he is going to come back. So when it says that for a little while 
you're not going to see me. It's not referring to his death, but they would argue it's referring to his ascension unto the Father. And then a little while, you'll see me again. It's referring to the fact that he's coming back. I would argue that it's the second one. His second coming is what he's talking about here. But regardless, the first thing he's trying to say to encourage his disciples is this. You are living in a timeline, and that timeline belongs to me. And there's great encouragement in that. Uh, Preachers will say, and it's kind of corny, okay? It's not history. It's his story, right? And that's kind of corny. But it is true. All of history does belong to him. It's on his timeline. But they were confused. They were asking questions. And so he gives them a little bit more information. Look there in verse 19. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, are you asking one another about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. There is a timeline of pain, a timeline of pain. He he says, look, you will have weeping and mourning and sorrow and pain. Those are the words that he uses there. All of these words are used in the context of losing someone that we love. Uh, The emotional toll that mourning and sorrow takes on someone is painful. And so in that context, absolutely, they were going to feel this in a very acute way, less than 24 hours from when Jesus said this. He was going to go to the cross the next day, and they would definitely feel that way. However, if he's referring to the second coming, he's not just talking about that acute feeling in the next couple of days, but he's talking about the experience of all Christians in their lifetime all throughout the ages. You think about it for a moment. The Bible says that the entire earth grieves and groans for Jesus to come back. We live in a world of sin and a world of evil. Uh, This is not heaven on earth. There is no such thing as that. This is not it. Heaven is in heaven. Amen. Uh, We don't have heaven on earth. And so we do have struggles in this life. Remember, he had just told them about the persecution that was going to come to them. In a very real way, while Jesus is gone, we will experience the pain and the grieving and the difficulty about which he is talking. However, the fact that he tells us that that's coming is encouraging. It's encouraging, kind of like when the doctor says, all right, you're about to get a shot, you're going to feel a little bit of a pinch. I kind of like to know that the pinch is coming, don't you? And so what he's saying here is there's a timeline that God owns and is in charge of, and there will be a season, although it is under my control and it is limited, there is a season in which there will be pain and difficulty and sorrow. We're living in that season now. But then he gives them a third thing. Notice what he says, verse 20. He says, you will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Within the timeline of God is a timeline of joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he gives an illustration. I want to take Jesus' word at this. Because in verse 21 he says, when a woman is in labor... She has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. Now, it is painful, or so they say, uh, to labor when giving birth. 
what, can anyone attest to that besides me? Is Jesus right about that? All right. But in normal circumstances, the joy of having that child outstrips and outweighs the level of pain connected to laboring with that child. When that child comes, the joy almost causes you to forget that pain. The same thing is true about this time of joy. All of the pain that you are experiencing, all of the pain that the disciples experienced on Friday night and on Saturday and even into Sunday morning, all of that was outstripped by the level of joy that they experienced on Sunday morning. The same thing is true for you and for me. All of the pain and the sorrow that we might experience now, all of that, when we receive the joy that is to come, all of that will fade in our memory. Notice what it says there, verse 22. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Notice he does not say, you will see me again. He says, I will see you again. In order for you to see me again, then that emphasizes what you got to do to come see me. But when he says, I will see you again, he's not talking about you coming to see him. He's talking about Jesus coming to see us. And it says, your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. The joy that you receive on this day is a joy that cannot go away. It will last forever, perfect, eternal joy. You see, the Israelites, they were struggling. They were in difficulty. They were in mourning and in pain up until Christmas, and then he came. The disciples were struggling. They were in mourning, and they were in pain until Easter, and then he came. You and I are struggling and in mourning and in pain all the way up until the second coming, and then he will come. And when he does, the joy that he brings with him will outstrip and outweigh any of the pain that you might be experiencing in this life today. And it is that promise of that coming joy. It is in the hope of that promise that we're able to live today. It is looking forward to that joy that gets us through this day of suffering and of pain. And here's the reality. If Jesus came once and brought joy with him at Christmas, my friends, he will come again and bring the joy that is everlasting. When you remember the Christmas season, it needs to be full of joy, but it ought to remind you not of the joy of Christmas, but of the joy to come when he comes again. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me? Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for Jesus, and we thank you that he came. He was born, and he lived and died for our sins, and that is very joyful, and we thank you for it. However, Lord, we look with greater anticipation on the next time we'll see Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you'd come soon. We look forward to that, and I pray that we would live in the light of that hope of the joy that is to come. Let us be reminded today of what you've done and what you have promised to do. We give you all glory, all honor in Jesus' name. Amen.